Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. All right, good morning. Welcome to Hope, you guys. Good to see you. Hey, thank you, Pastor Savannah and Sean. Didn't Sean do such a great job leading worship? He left the room so I can brag on him, but I met him at Coffeetopia years ago, and I think, Justin, you worked with him and invited him to come to church, and now he's leading worship. That's pretty epic right there, huh? Um, so you never know who you're going to meet at the coffee shop and get to invite to church. My name's Danny, and I'm stoked to share with you guys today Who's ever had an awkward intergenerational moment? Anyone have an awkward intergenerational moment? I, I was uh, with some teens from our youth group. There was a bonfire. I won't name any names. But I was with these teens, and they were talking about their TikToks and their Snapchats and the Be Reels and these different social media platforms that they were on. And I would just ask them some questions so I could learn more because I'm not on all of these. I can't have time to stay on all these social media platforms that they're on. And uh, it just came up where, you know, I was asking them questions, and then they turned to me and they says, well, you're a lot older. You're probably still on Facebook, right? And then they asked me, then the nail in the coffin was this, you probably had a MySpace. Guilty as charged. Anyone remember MySpace? Man, okay, we are so old, if you remember MySpace. I was listening to some music in the car, uh, actually on the way here, I have this, my favorite radio station, Bob FM. It's music from the 90s. And I listened to it with my kids, and I don't know who, where it came up, but I think my son said, is this classic rock, Dad? And I had to think about it for a second, because I think about like the 70s and the 60s as classic rock, but then I realized the 90s, that was 30 years ago. So when I was a kid and my parents were listening to Elvis and the Beatles, same thing. <laughs> Trippy, right? It's kind of crazy. So we're going to talk about intergenerational relationships today. And I'm excited to share with you guys. Um, it's part of this series that we're in right now where we believe this is a sacred moment where we're, we've kind of just circled the boat as a church as uh, we are one church in multiple locations Reaching, restoring, and releasing people to live transformed lives. That's kind of like who we are. And the vision that we've really prayed through is this, to unify, to multiply transformational communities that help people find and follow Jesus. And then there's these seven values that we want to just hold on to, that these things are really core to who we are, right? We want to be anchored in these things. And we talked about partnering Serving as a team, being real, a place where people can be real and authentically follow Jesus. Accessible last week, right? Meeting people where they are to bridge the gap. And then this week we're talking about intergenerational. And the way that we're wording this is including everyone to connect all generations. Because sometimes when you hear the word intergenerational, you think, well, the whole focus is just on the next generation. But I would be, the, I would be one person to say this. I believe we need everyone. Amen. One of my favorite pictures of Hope Church was, uh, is, is, is this in my mind. I just, you know, it was multiple Sundays. Um, you guys might know Bob and Edie Rittenhouse. Edie has gone on to be with the Lord. And Bob is well up into his 90s. And they would come every Sunday and sit out on the patio right in the middle. 
and they would just invite whoever was around to come join them for breakfast. And they would, they would get their pancakes and butter and syrup, and it might be somebody that was living outside last night, or it might be somebody that was like a teenager, or, or someone that's, uh, you know, well younger than them in their 60s, right? And, uh, and they would just invite people, and they would just sit and have, have breakfast together with people. And to me, I love that picture of intergenerational relationship here at Hope. And I, I believe that's something about who we are. And this series is really coming out of Matthew 28 where Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, right? And so that's kind of like, that's kind of where the New Testament goes. And I want to I sum up what I think is like the summary of the whole Bible. I heard it said like this once. The Old Testament is all about passing on to the next generation. The New Testament is all about passing it on to the world. But before we can go to the world, We've got to go to the next generation. Amen? That was really weak. I don't know if you guys are awake this morning. Maybe we just had some weak coffee. No. The coffee's good. I know. I, I put Hope Coffee inside my Cat and Cloud mug here, and it's pretty strong. Okay, so I want to look at something together. We looked at Matthew 28, which is go into all the world. But I want to look at this, something that happened in Judges, not a, not a book that you probably read very often. Judges chapter 2. It's kind of a sketchy book. And for this region, for this reason, okay? Judges 2, 8 through 12. Let's look at this and think what went wrong. Joshua, son of Nun. Now, just real quick recap for those that are new to the Bible. Moses is the guy that stood with his staff to Pharaoh and said, let my people go, right? Remember, he parted the Red Sea, and he led the people out of the wilderness to the promised land. He passed it on to Joshua, and he led them into the promised land. And now, after Joshua's passed, he gave this great sermon. He brought everybody back, brought everybody back to this, this renewed commitment and covenant in the Lord. And look at what it says. Look at the tragedy here. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. So if you ain't 100 yet, you're still young, right? Amen? Um, <laughs> and they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnah, Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim north of Mount Gash. After the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord, who knew neither the Lord, nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They totally bailed. Baals are just like ancient gods, okay? They just, they just forsook. It said they forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of Egypt. What went wrong? What I want to tell you today is this. Life is not a sprint. Neither is life a marathon. Life is a relay race. And the most important thing we can do is pass on to the next generation. That's the most important thing we do. If I get to the end of my life and I plant 100 churches, but my kids don't know the Lord and I haven't passed it on to them, how many of you guys know? I'm going to, I mean, that's going to feel pretty bad, right? And I can't control. God won't take away their free will, neither will I, right? But I, I can, all I can do is my best job is to pass on the next generation. Um, but how many of you guys know there's a disconnect? There's a generational divide, right now in the world. Amen. There's this older versus younger. What are some of the things that 
older leaders say about younger leaders? They don't know. They think they know, but they don't know. In love with their phone. Lazy? Entitled? Okay, now what are the, some of the things that the younger leaders say about the older leaders? <laughs> Don't know how to use the Googles. Didn't make life better. Yeah, sh- life was easy for you because you bought a house when it was $100,000. Right. I did buy a house when it was $100,000 when I was 22. But I made $8 an hour, and it was 8.5% interest. So <laughs> that's how old I am. <laughs> um, what about when I was a kid, I used to heckle, um, or I got heckled by the older people because my pants were too big. I remember when we hired Justin, he came here. I heckled him a little bit because his pants were too tiny. And I said, did you buy them with holes in them? <laughs> I know, so cow, man. <laughs> Hey, your pants, you know, they're looking, I don't know. I'm, see, I'm, now I'm trying to look like you. There you go. See, <laughs> I look to Justin now for style points. Um, or sometimes the older leaders can be accused of being too stuck in their ways, too rigid, right? right? And how many of you guys know this is not a new phenomenon? I'm going to read you a couple quotes here. They think they know everything and are always quite sure about it. Aristotle, 4th century. Probably there is no period in history in which young people have given such emphatic utterance to the tendency to reject that which is old to wish for that which is new. 1936. What really distinguishes this generation from those before it, it is, it's the first generation in America's history to live so well and complain so bitterly about it. 1993, Washington Post. How many of you guys know it's, it's even biblical too, right? Look in the scriptures, in the book of Ephesus. Did you know in the book, in the, the city of Ephesus, young Pastor Timothy is pastoring a church. I don't know about you, but I would have been frightened if I was Timothy. Do you know who was in the congregation? John the Elder. The apostle, the guy who was closest to Jesus and wrote the books, He's in your church, and you're the young pastor. Look at what Paul says to Timothy. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, because, uh, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. And then he also says in verse, chapter 5, verse Timothy, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, the younger women as sisters with absolute purity. But how many of you guys know the generational divide, it feels like maybe bigger than ever in the, in, the, in the church and in the world right now, doesn't it? I mean, would you say that maybe COVID has exasperated this issue a bit? Or, or maybe even technology, now that everyone has their own different platforms, they're getting their own different information. It's almost like it's even more divided now. I've talked to so many people who are estranged from their children or from their parents over this stuff. Isn't that, to me, that like breaks my heart. It breaks my heart to see people divided. It feels like the values, the beliefs, and the political views are more, more polarizing. And, and, but the reality is, if you think back to the 60s, there was a generation that was polarizingly different than their older generation too. And maybe they were accused of some of the same things. Right? And so, 
I believe there's hope, and I want to look at this passage in Acts chapter 2. I believe we're called to be a, a different place here. I think we can create a different kind of culture here in the, in the, in the kingdom of God. Acts chapter 2, let's look at this together. Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 17. In the last days, God says, and this is, so remember the, remember the Holy Spirit came upon the believers, and they're like, are you guys drunk? No. But... <laughs> Peter gets up and gives a speech, launching out into the first day of the first church ever, and he says this. In the last days, he quotes the prophet Joel. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. How many of you guys know we need visions and dreams in the church? All right, I'm getting a little more, a little more enthusiasm here. Does anyone here love sourdough bread? You don't love it? I, I just, well, you guys know my love for avocado toast, but an essential part of that is, is sourdough bread. This is a loaf from Kelly's Bakery. I'm going to bring it down to Tim so he can just get a whiff of this. That smells good, right? You got that doughy, gooey inside, and you got the crusty, salty, outside. I like both. You got to have both to have some good sourdough bread. And did you guys know that sourdough is made up of an old starter? In order to have good sourdough, in Europe there's old starters that are hundreds of years old. They found one in Egypt that's like 5,000 years old. I don't know how they pulled that off, but they're all around the world. And basically, to make sourdough, you take an old starter that just gets passed on and passed on. It's a living culture. And in order to make a good sourdough bread, you got to have that living culture, and you got to mix it in with the new, fresh flour. You guys see where I'm going? Now, I'm I'm at the point now where I've kind of crossed, according to my kids, I've crossed into the crusty zone, but um, <laughs> so it gives me hope that we need both. We need the, do, the gooey dough, and we need the crusty crust. We need that old starter that carries on the culture of generations and the fresh new flour and dough. You guys feel me on that? I stole this from a, from a friend named Brandon uh, who gave a message a, a while back, and I was like, oh, that's so good. I'm stealing that. But simply put, we're better together. Simply put, we're better. Amen. Can we, can we just applaud that? We are better together. I, if you are an older person than me, I need you. If you're a younger person than me, you need me. I'm just kidding. I need, I need you too, Right? And you know what? If I'm younger than you, maybe you could be my dad or mom. You need me too, and I need you. I need to know what you know. I need to learn from you. And you also need to hear what I have to share in my faith because together we make up the body of Christ. I want to show you this picture here. of uh, Somebody took this picture of me. Um, actually, this is my cousin Sven from Sweden. Uh, just kidding. That's that's an old picture of me before I cut my hair. Who thinks I should grow it back out again? We'll see. We'll see if it'll go. I don't know. I'm trying. We'll see if it'll happen. But um, this is Pat Worley. Her and her husband were legendary pastors, 
And I just happened to be walking down the hill at Old Oak Ranch. That's our camp up in Sonora. And somebody snapped this shot of us. And I was walking down the hill. And she just, she didn't even ask me. She just walked over and linked arms with me. I look like a good guy because I'm like walking the old lady down the hill, right? But she did that to me. She linked arms with me. And who's more blessed? Who has more to offer? Yeah, I'm giving her some stability going down the hill. But there's so much I can learn from her. There's so many things that she's been through that I don't have to go through to learn because I can learn from her. And I am, I've always been a leader that I want to lean on those that have gone before me, those that have the wisdom that I need. And I want to learn. And I want to be able to have relationships that are intergenerational in our church. But this is a value, I think, of who we are at Hope here. Um, it's part of why I love that we do pancakes. Because, and, and just to give, just real quick side note, I could make a stronger biblical argument for pancakes than singing on Sunday morning. In the New Testament, the common meal was an essential part of gathering with the church. And when you have a common meal, everybody is a part of it. Everybody, you know, everybody loves pancakes. It's like pizza. Who doesn't love pizza, right? You know, and you, you can gather at the table with all the generations. When you think about the time of the week where you normally gather with different generations, it's usually eating together. It's something that I could do with my grandma well up into her, her 80s. And I can do with my kids. Number one, I got two, two well, I got a few points for you. I'm just going to blast through these. Ready? Number one, everyone is needed. We both need the starter and the fresh dough. And everyone needs to be valued. Everyone needs to know that you have a part. How do we all have a part to play? I've, you know, and this is the reality. I think sometimes I've talked with younger leaders, and I said, who do you have in your life that's older that you can look up to? Who are your mentors? Oh, I'm too busy. I love when a 20-year-old tells me you're too busy. I'm like, tell me more about that. And then I've talked with some, some people that could be my parents, and they're, they're feeling maybe sometimes in the church like, hey, you know, I think my ship has sailed. I'm just going to ride off to the sunset. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retire from the kingdom. How many of you guys know there's no retirement in the kingdom? Amen? Um, I've been encouraged by people that I've known that have served and mentored and built relationships well up into their 80s and 90s. So I'm only halfway there, baby. I'm only halfway to my, to my finish line. Um, <laughs> uh, no, everyone is needed, and everyone is needed. Let me talk about that. If you're going to make good sourdough bread, you can't just throw it in a bowl together with the starter and the new flour. How many of you guys know you've got to work that in? It takes intentionality. And I think in the church it's important that we need the dough. That those who are older are intentionally seeking out young couples and young people that you can mentor. Those that are younger or in the middle like me, that you're, you're doing both. That I'm looking for people that are, have gone before me that I respect. That I, Maybe not everything about their life, but like there's a couple that I met. I love the way that they love each other and their kids. And so I've kind of just looked up to them for a long time, and they've been mentors to me. And I have a pastor that, um, you know, I really respect the way that he's led his church and is in his last season of, of ministry now. And 
I look up to him as a mentor, and I have younger people that I want. Does that make sense? We want to be holding, we want to be reaching up and reaching back. Everyone is needed, and it's all about relationship. If we're honest about what happened between Moses and Joshua, and Joshua and the next generation, is that Moses had a Joshua that he could pour into. We don't need we don't need any more sermons. How many here can remember sermons that I gave? One person. I don't remember people's sermons, but I remember people and how they lived. How many of you guys know it's not just we need we don't need to need another good message. We need people that are passing it on. We need people that in our lives that are asking us questions that are intentional about who we are. Um, I'm going to give you three in recipe ingredients. This is a recipe for inter, interna, um, intergenerational relationship. International. <laughs> also international. But intergenerational relationships, these are the ingredients, I think, if you want to have great intergenerational relationships, and I can honestly say that I have this in my life, and I'm grateful for it. I'm better because of it. And here's three things that I want to encourage you in. Number one, when you smell this, it makes you hungry, right? Oh, man. Sorry. Maybe the second service will get some bread, but i got to save it for them. Um, <laughs> hungry, number one. we gotta, we got to stay hungry. As young people, we need to be asking questions. And I've heard it said, why would I ask you when I can ask YouTube? This generation no longer asks the older generation anymore because they can just Google it. They can just YouTube it. But let me tell you, there's a lot of things you can't learn on YouTube. And we need to ask questions of the older generation. And, and older generation, if you can, I'm, I'm just going to let you consider, consider where you are in that because I think age is a state of mind, isn't it? Um, but how are you staying hungry? How are you continuing to learn? How are you continuing to ask questions? Um, I think asking open-ended questions is one of the greatest skills we can learn. When I think about people that I've invested in my life, leaders that I want to follow, that I want to hear what they have to say, it's because they've actually asked me questions and didn't just sit there and talk. You ever gone to lunch with somebody and they just talked the whole time? That, that doesn't happen twice, usually, for me. If somebody wants to ask questions and learn, that's the kind of people I want to be around. And I think if we want to have younger people look up to us and learn from us, we got to be willing to ask them questions. It's called reverse discipleship. I, I, I put a little face, uh, Instagram message about this message going out on my, on my page, and an older pastor friend of mine just wrote me this morning and says, hey, I really want to learn from you on this. Can you send me your notes and the link to your message, which I'm totally mortified that he's going to watch. But, um, <laughs> but um, you know, and it's like, I love that. We got we to gotta keep learning. Proverbs 4, 7. I love this. Do you, do you, ever, you ever read just the irony in this? The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. You want to get wise? Get wise. Though it costs all you have, Get understanding. And I think it means that we are seeking wisdom. And the sad thing about this is Solomon, the great king, he received all of this wisdom from his father David. But he failed to pass it on to the next generation. 
And we see this time and time again in the Old Testament where the baton sometimes gets passed and often it doesn't. And I, I, it, I think it just shows us that we need to really pay attention to this in our own lives. That we don't just live an awesome life and fail to pass it on to the next generation. Number two, hungry. Number one, number two, honor. What is honor all about? Do you know what the word honor means? To show worth. I think if we value people and we show them that, if you want to have intergenerational relationships, you need to honor the person. And whether that be someone that has gone before you, and I, I remember just multiple times where I've sat with pastors that have, you know, been pastoring for 40, 50, 60 years, and I've been able to sit with them and say, hey, I want to stand on your shoulders. I want to learn from you. What can I learn from you? How can I? I remember one time I got the opportunity. You guys know who Greg Laurie is? He was speaking uh, in the Bay, and I was helping put this conference together. And they're like, hey, who wants to drive one of the speakers? I said, I'll take Greg Laurie to the airport. And I got an hour in the car with Greg Laurie. And I was like, Greg, tell me, bro, how can I lead a healthy ministry and have a healthy family? How can I'm asking questions because I'm like, I got an hour with this guy. How can I learn from him? And it goes back to, I think that honors people when we ask them questions too. How many of you guys, you love that? I love it when younger leaders ask me questions because it, it's, it gives honor. Number three, humility. I've heard it said that the ultimate confidence is humility. I love what First Peter says. Check this out. First Peter 5, 5 through 6. In the same way, all of you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. All of you, dress yourself. All of you. So Peter's speaking to the generations in the church, the elders and the youngers, and look at what he says. All of you, dress yourself in humility as it relates to one another. How many of you guys know there's just such an emphasis on being right? And so many people, they've read things or whatever, and they think they know all the answers, and so they cease to be humble. And I think that's the greatest secret in life, is if we keep that humility, how many of you guys know God's called us to be humble, no matter how much we know? In fact, the more we know, the more it should humble us. The more we know about God, the more we realize we don't know a thing. The more we know about life, the more we realize we don't know a thing. And we need God's help. And that's, I think, the humility. And um, it goes a long ways. All of you, and all of you, dress yourself in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble, look, look at this. this is, I think this is a promise. So humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. You want to be honored? Get humble. And I think that's something that, it's humbling for me to sit here to say that to people who, who have many more years of experience than I do, have much more knowledge of the scriptures than I do. But I believe that's a recipe for intergenerational relationships right there for all of us. If we have humility and we give honor and we're hungry to learn from each other, you know, we don't just assume. Maybe even somebody that has a totally different opinion or value or political view than you, ask questions to learn more about them before categorizing them or judging them or condemning them. And I think we would learn a lot. Who has come alongside you and loved you when you were unlovable? Can you think of an older person, an older couple that helped you? 
Don and Sally McGregor. That's who it was for me. Do you guys, anyone here know who Don and Sally McGregor are? Yeah, a couple people. These guys, I didn't even know this, but they're total, they're total legends in the faith. They pioneered churches in the Philippines. There's like thousands of four-square churches in the Philippines because of this couple. They were like well up into their 80s at the church that Jenny and I were youth pastors at, and I had no idea who they were from anyone. But they said, Don comes up to me after church one Sunday. He says, hey, Sally and I would like to invite you over for breakfast next Saturday. And I was like, man, that sounds awesome. He says, I'll make waffles. <laughs> Sold. And we show up, and, you know, it's kind of, their house kind of has like that smell, you know, that sometimes older people's homes have. And, but we come inside their house, and Don is sitting there at the table, and he's got this waffle maker rigged up with an extension cord on the table. Sally's over there mixing it in. She's kneading the dough. <laughs> and, and we just sit down, and they're pouring a coffee for us. He, he's pouring waffles. It's like an all-you-can-eat waffle bar at Don and Sally's house. And they're just serving us. And you know what they did? Instead of saying, hey, let me tell you all the cool things I know about ministry. You know what they did? They asked questions about us. And do you know what that made me want to do? It made me want to ask questions about them. And I'm sure glad that I did because I found out the, the, the gems that they were in the faith, the spiritual legacy that they left behind, and that they were continuing to leave behind well into their 80s. They didn't retire from the kingdom of God. They were pouring into the next generation. And I will never forget that moment. I don't remember a lot of sermons, but I remember that moment with Don. And I remember he said this to me. Truth is more caught than it is taught. We learn by osmosis, don't we? We learn by actually watching somebody model it. And I think sometimes I had this conversation with someone recently. How do, I, how do I build a bridge with my daughter who doesn't want to talk to me? Be an example for her. Show her who Christ is. Show her the love of God. And I think that's something that, that what, what Don and Sally were saying is that it can't just be telling people. It needs to be showing people. It's show and tell. Amen? We got to give truth in relationship. And that was what was lacking when Joshua handed the baton. He didn't have anyone to pass, pass the baton to because he hadn't raised up the next generation of leaders. And I think it's so important that we think about that. I'm thankful for Don and Sally, that, that example. And I want to be that. In fact, did you know that that's where we got inspired by the pancakes? Don and Sally making waffles. It's a little more tricky to make waffles than pancakes. You can mass produce those a little quicker. But I remember we, we did it with our youth group, and then we started doing it on the beach down here in Santa Cruz, and then it became a thing here on Sunday mornings. We do pancakes, and that goes all the way back to Don and Sally, and their legacy continues. I've told that story so many times. It just ministered to me, and they, they, they're, they're with the Lord now, but how many of you guys know their legacy continues both here and in the Philippines? Here's my challenge to you. Will you invest in one person or one couple that's younger than you and one person and one couple that's older than you? Will you invest in one? What barriers are holding you back from building relationships? Are you the kind of person that a younger leader would want to learn from? Are you the kind of younger person that can learn from an older mentor? I want to challenge us with that because I believe it's so vital 
to our faith. It's so vital to our faith community here. How can you be more receptive to a different generation's perspective? And how do you have in your life, who do you have in your life that's older that you can intentionally learn from and who is someone younger than you can intentionally invest in? That's my challenge to you guys today. We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find Hope. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.